A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Monday, which means it's time for the front three weekend review. We've got a lot to review this weekend. We've been reading all the big vlogs, where United stand uh, and where everyone else sit is a good difference. Anyway, whatever. Dave, it's good to have you on the podcast. Cheers. Uh, Chris, good to have you as well. Nice to be here. Uh, there have been a lot of goings on over the weekend, so we're going to start... Actually, is a good question. Where is best to start? Let's start with the FA Cup. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Um, Chris, coming out on the other side of this, Wenger was bullish. He said no one gave Arsenal a chance, and we responded. Pretty good Arsenal response, though, wasn't it, Chris? With an offside goal and uh, whatever else happened. Um, yeah, I'm still not really sure what to think, because I was listening back to the, the review part of it and the grades that we gave them, and I said, even if they do win the FA Cup, it's not really an achievement or progress because, like, it's, not, it's still not progress because it's a trophy, but it's it's nothing that they haven't done in the last few years, and it doesn't cover up the fact that they're out of the Champions League. So, I mean, I think they played well on the day, definitely. Uh, I also think Chelsea were pretty poor at the same time. It was it was a perfect storm for them, I guess, in that regard. It's a little bit weird, isn't it? Because um, <clears throat> a lot of people, a lot of Arsenal fans now coming back to me and um, Dave, maybe you're getting the same as a United fan. Chris, maybe you're hearing the same. And saying, look, Arsenal are performing at this point in the season and that's what matters. We're winning the FA Cup. But Dave, I sort of, I, I don't know, it goes both ways for me on this one because the pressure was more or less off Arsenal at this point, wasn't it? I mean, whether they won the FA Cup or not, this season's a relative failure. Dropping out of the top four, um, it, whether you want to paint it as this is a great opportunity to win the league or whatever it is, is going to be seen as failure because, it's, it, you know, Liverpool obviously didn't aim to drop out of the top four um, a number uh, over previous seasons. They only made it two out of the previous eight seasons. It's very clear that they've sort of dropped off some players' radars. It's going to make it more difficult for them to acquire certain players. And they're not shopping at the top table this summer. And arguably, you could say the same for Arsenal right now. We just won't have the same level of pull that, uh, you know, a United or a City or even a Chelsea will. Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of that and the money um, side of it. But again, you think about what Arsene Wenger's done so well 
in his whole tenure as Arsenal manager. That signing unknowns from um, you know lesser known clubs and then really coming through and being top stars. And I think that's again potentially where Wenger needs to take it. He's obviously gone with this um, Galactico style model. We've seen Sanchez, Mezzo, Ozil, who both starred against. Um, against Chelsea in the final, you know, in fact, overloading um, Chelsea centrally is starting to become something that works against Chelsea's 3-4-3, something that I've, I mentioned a while ago that could be, you know, a real weakness to the system, you know, those two bodies in central midfield, Arsenal overloading at 4v2 um, in there, but maybe Arsenal need to go back for signing young players, signing youthful players and um, not sort of competing with the same guys that United want, that City want, because you're still going to get value in the market. There's still value in the market in terms of your, your scouting and who you're looking for. So I think Wenger just needs to go back to basics and, and sort of make some really smart signings, not not go out and spend the big bucks like all the fans want. Do what Arsene Wenger does best, and that is, you know, acquire these guys and turn them into superstars. But surely, uh, Dave, that's harder than it, it, it sounds. I mean, you, know, you don't just sort of go, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go and, and sign someone. 100%, but the thing, you know, these guys, Arsenal, um, what they own a data company um, that they've been doing a lot of work with. So I think there's definitely a start that Arsenal have in this industry. And obviously Wenger could, you know, sell this dream to these young players that, look, we're going to be in the Europa League. Um, we want to give you some real minutes. We want to give you some real time. Uh, we are letting go Sanchez. We're going to keep Mezzo Ozil. You're going to have to play with a World Cup winner. There's definitely a sell for Arsenal, the new stadium. There's a, a good fan base. Um, not a good, you know, you know what I mean? Like a big fan base. So I think there's a definite sell that you could sell to these young guys. And it's all about progression for Arsenal next season. They don't want to, um, you know, lose some more ground. They need to get back into the Champions League, especially with this new stadium and, and pe- you know, paying for that and all that type of thing. That's, that's you know, it's, it's important. It's important that they do get back up to that top level, especially in terms of their competitiveness. Mm. But, you know, you never know. Wenger could just completely chuck away the Europa League and they'll go on to um, compete for the Premier League title. You never know with Wenger. Yeah, it would be an unusual one. Very, very congested race there now. You could argue that in previous years, when Arsenal won it, there wasn't the same level of competition. Who was, uh, you know, can you, could you ever say that Arsenal have been involved in such a diverse horse race, Chris? No, I don't think he could. And the thing is, as he gets older, I start to think he becomes more ingrained in, in his methods and his ways. There was a, a really good interview with Tony Adams today in, in The Guardian. I, I was just about to reference that. There's some wonderful mm. quotes out of this one. Uh, you go for yours and then I'll pick over the rest. Well, well, he talked about the fact that Arsenal's youth coaches are on 30,000 a year, whereas Chelsea's, for comparison's sake, are on 90,000. I did find that a little bit of a weird um, one to pick out. Yeah, I, I, I think... I think the thing is, what I took from it, I, I see the point that Adams is making that, you know, give them a pay rise and it, it makes you theoretically up there when it comes to com- competition and, and, you know, competing with rivals. I just feel that the longer Wenger is there, the harder it gets for them as a club to move forward because by the, the, the way that Adams... Uh, explains it in the picture he paints Wenger is ubiquitous in every facet of the football club he controls everything the board are happy to just judge him more on on the spreadsheet than actually what happens at the football club so that means that when he goes you're going to either have to have him try and have some say in, in who replaces him which as we saw with Sir Alex Ferguson is absolutely no guarantee of success or you accept that what he had been doing for the previous few years was not good enough, remove him from the process entirely, and then you have a group of people with 
to my knowledge, no experience of hiring potentially a director of football, hiring potentially a manager, and all of that modern infrastructure trying to find a succession plan. So it's it just feels like he's been there too long. That's that's where I've I've reached now. I feel as if he's he's reached that stage where He's staying because he wants to stay, not because he thinks he can do something. Well, in Adam's interview today uh, in The Guardian, he said, Arsene Wenger has total dominance. The board do nothing. Um, it's, I mean, it certainly is very revealing, certainly very interesting. It's also weird as to... I mean, it makes sense that he would come out with it now. Um, but it, it is sort of... It's very, it's very unusual saying, really, that Tony Adams had his career made by... Arsene Wenger. Um, the whole, the whole. Uh, uh, there's a very toxic atmosphere, really, isn't there, Chris, around Arsenal right now? Doesn't seem like there's anyone. There's, and that sort of shows a lack of leadership or the lack of a leader f- figure, at least that people respect. Yeah, I, th- I think. You know, the difficulty is with them right now is it's so hard not to see. Arsenal fan TV as some kind of projector for the fan base. And you see hypocrisy there because, and I was actually just watching it before we started recording here, you'll watch someone like DT talk about the fact that, oh, people think if we win the FA Cup, it's a cover-up for a lot of, um, you know, the shortcomings of the season and we'll just forget about the problems. And then straight after that, he's obviously crying, holding what I think is his son at the FA Cup final. Life does make hypocrites of us all, as as Flav told me recently. I think it's can, very good. Can you not Flav, Flav from uh, Ball, Long Ball Street? Um, yes. I don't you, know where it's from originally, but that was the person who first told it to me. And I think he's very right in saying that. Is, is I, it hypocritical, though, to, to celebrate sort of a, a small victory, but not um, see it as a larger win? I mean, it's sort of a battle one, but not the war. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair comment. The, the difficulty I have with Arsenal right now when I watch them is I just I just don't get the sense they're going to improve. So, so hypothetically, let's look at the summer right now. You've got Manchester United, Man City, that top six as it sits right now. I look at Man United and I fully expect them to improve, make significant additions. You know, they're already potentially talking to Perisic. There's an example. Man City have are getting close to Edison, they've signed Bernardo Silva, they want Mendy, they're making progress. I don't know what progress looks like for Arsenal. I, I don't know who that marquee player is, I don't know who's going to push the needle for them. I just get the feeling it could be another one of those summers where it's pet a check in August, and again they're forced to repeat the same cycle, and that's where I can almost understand the frustration, because it's not like it's mistakes as in oh we paid 40 million for this player and he's no good it's it's genuine lack of response it's it's like not doing anything which to me is is arguably worse than making mistakes yes it's all very weird it seems like a lot of things out of whack um not least the fact that now people are saying well arsenal playing well now I mean, David, it's not unusual. We have seen, I don't know whether you can quantify this in numbers. You probably can, but I don't know which numbers it would be. A number of sides finish a season very strong and maybe start a season very strong. But it's not, it's not really about starting and always finishing strong, is it? That there are, it's those games in between where 
uh, a, a season can be one a lot. You know, what I'm essentially saying is it's the whole season. It's not just beginning and end where it is important. And historically, Arsenal dip at certain points in the season. And that's what's losing them, the, the vital games. Not necessarily the games when they start or finish the season, right? Well, yeah, and statistically, it's November that catches Arsenal out this season. They did very well in November. It's their worst um, points per per month in the Premier League. But they did quite well there. It was it was after November. It was like December. It was January this season. So it was almost like they just delayed the inevitable of them them really struggling. And was it was it like having ten years, but in three years? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I right. think the big thing was this this season wasn't necessarily bad form. It was more the transfers, the dealings of you know the Sanchez deal, the Ozil deal. Unfortunately, came out at completely the wrong time for Arsenal. You know, those those sort of. Con- uh, contract talks coming out in January those two players hit some bad form apologies I'm just recording by a motorway um, it's funny. a little bit warm so I've got my windows open uh, I'll try and deal with the heat later yep, on but the no, M25 is lovely yeah, in terms of uh, Arsenal yeah it was the, the signings and the contract that was the issue not actually the, a bad dip in form or injuries this time I feel it was a bit of an unusual one there I mean um uh, Chris, that is also something obviously that Arsene Wenger addressed in his post-match pre- press conference again, and you do have to sort of respect the way he's gone about his business, because it is um, it, it, it's interesting to look at uh, his, his very pointed comments about um, you know people doing and complaining and being fans when they're at the game, and then voicing things else elsewhere or sort of voicing things at the right time of the season. I do sort of get his point, and I think it's been a point we've made um, continually throughout the season, is that it, it seems like a lot of people were in it for themselves this season with Arsenal. Uh, and, you know, you could say that to some extent with uh, Sanchez and also with uh, Ozil, um, it, whether that be for contract talks, etc., etc. Uh, and at the same time, with some Arsenal fans looking to make um, very pointed uh, comments or you know getting planes and all those sort of things sometimes it seems like that the, the profile of the individual trumps the um the collective and maybe just maybe um it, it's interesting because again that sort of points to the fact that none of these people feel particularly led by the man at the top i don't think there's faith in them that's the that's the issue i, th- I think I think when you've been there as long as he has, it, it beco- there becomes a point where apathy and confidence is incredibly easily lost. And I think he reached that stage. That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. the achievements of the Invincibles, uh, the Will Tord era, because they've faded so much... You forget what's been done. It's it's that sort of what have you done for me recently mentality, which I think creeps into football a lot. We we had this period where it was always about the five year plan, Southampton, people like that. But actually now, I think it's it's gone back the other way to where if you don't win something in a season, then you've had a bad season. Yeah, no, I see your point there. Um... And, and then, of course, there are other people who who just grateful would be grateful to be in Arsenal's position. Um, uh, so it's very, it's very difficult to see uh, the difference between the two. Uh, go, go and read the article uh, of Tony Adams because it's fairly. It makes for interesting reading. It's more about him than anything else. 
but it does seem a little bit like some people are trying to ride the controversy of Wenger to the top. Um, hey, put it this way, Wenger's getting a lot of conservatories out of it, right, Dave? <laughs> Um, <laughs> he hasn't got any friends though apparently yeah I found that a little bit weird wasn't it um, a bit, that was a bit horrible from Adams in a way it's not well, nice to say things like that it's also sort of weird because obviously everyone chooses to keep different circles of friends not everyone wants to have a large circle of friends do they you know some people want a smaller circle hmm depends how big you want your circle aren't you right I mean it's also not as if Venga what's the circumference yeah what's the circumference what's the what's pi Exactly. Um, it's also a little bit weird because obviously he was very openly affectionate with Sanchez and a couple of other players out on the pitch. So it, you know, he, he, I think there were pictures going around of him kissing um, uh, Sanchez. No, no, Ozil on the forehead and then hugging Sanchez. Um, I mean, I suppose you could uh, class that as pro- professional uh, motivation. Oh. I don't know. Uh, either way, they're all going away on holiday now. It's very easy to be affectionate with people who are going away in a couple of days. Um, anyway, uh, let's go on to other great things that happened. Dave, Huddersfield Town were promoted to the Premier League. Uh, Wagner and his boys finally did it. It was a clash of two uh, fairly hip stars of football uh, and two managers fairly early in their management careers. Uh, but it, it made for what most people didn't expect, which was... Um, a game which most people call boring, and I found that a little bit weird. I think it's just a clash of styles. You've got um, Yapstam's Reading, a very uh, possession-based, almost Louis van Gaal-esque side. You know, they've got slow build-up. They like to play through the thirds in a, in a slow manner, getting in the ball slowly there. And then you've got David Wagner's uh, Huddersfield that are high-octane, high-pressing. Stam's team press as well, and unfortunately in games where both teams do press, you kind of end up having a, a nil-nil draw. We saw the amount of times that Lou van Gaal's Manchester United drew nil-nil with, with a big side that likes to toss each other that kind of just ended up being a real game of poor quality. Nobody stepped on the ball, nobody um, dictated the play, and I think that's what we saw in the, in the final. But credit to Huddersfield, you know, last season, what did they finish well down the league? Kristen's probably a better person to talk about the championship than I am, but it's a great turnaround, and, and credit to, to Wagner, what a job he's done. Yeah, uh, and but also credit to Yapstam, right, Dave? I mean, you know, to get them down oh, yeah, in the first yeah, place. Yapstam, and... I'm very impressed by Reading when they played United in the FA Cup. They uh, they were a good little side, so expect them to be around and about next season with a, a bit more money, a bit more time. What is his first season um, for Reading? So it's it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting transition. Maybe one day he'll take over as the next Louis Van Gaal at Manchester United. Will be fairly fascinating to see uh, Wagner play Klopp next season, though. In a in a clash of the in almost a clop-off, Chris. Oh. Yes, I, I think... I actually think Wagner's a bit more flexible than Klopp. I think he's got more strings to his bow. Um, He's saying Klopp couldn't I, uh, get promoted from the Championship. No, not that he couldn't. Following just, Liverpool's I, I th- inevitable demise. I, th- I think... What I think is, is Wagner is more willing to divert from the, the heavy metal football that they both admire so much. And I think actually that lack of flexibility at the same end is part of the reason that Stam lost today because Van Gaal is a very good way to characterise his football because there have been a few times I've watched in this season and yet they can pass the ball around, they can keep possession. But there is uh, a number of times where it looks like it's just passing for passing sake. Yeah. And even today I didn't feel like they... 
they had the drive or the impetus to try and win the game. It felt as if they were waiting for, for Huddersfield to make a mistake instead of taking it to them. And, you know, you, you, you get it to penalties and penalties is a lottery. And I think they took a, a needless, uh, I took, think they took the needless safety option. I think they could have gone at Huddersfield and potentially had something because I don't think Huddersfield by any um, stretch of the imagination are, defensively sound I think they've, they've got the potential to be but also what they were trying to do I think was what Newcastle had done to, to Huddersfield um, which was sit really deep and compact and then potentially spring on them the massive difference there is Newcastle scored really early on through a penalty and then had the opportunities and the outlets to to sit deep and, and keep it quite a tight narrow block um, so yeah it's a funny one with Stam I'm, I'm eager to see how he handled his second season in English football because I think his first definitely held positives as I say they played some of the nicest stuff in the league they have a very young team John Swift George Evans um, Liam Kelly is in there as well has made a number of appearances so he's trusted youth which is no surprise because he's formerly of young Ajax um, but I think think if the owners are serious they might give him a bit more cash to spend because I think if he did that then yeah it'll it'll be up there in what will actually be a massively competitive championship next season. Yeah massively competitive considering who's going down well yeah Sunderland are going down as well but look at who else is going down. Um, David Moyes' uh, comments post going down quite incredible uh, along the lines of sort of uh, in life are winners and losers uh, or in life, there are winners. We're the losers right now. Along those lines. Uh, really weird. Some other winners, though. Uh, Dave, over in your beloved Bundes. Uh, Wolfsburg are back in it. Mm, a tough game for them. Um, they had to play the relegation playoff this time. Won, won both of the ties. One goal to nil. Um, it's an interesting one to see that the plight of Wolfsburg, such a successful side a few seasons ago, Kevin De Bruyne, they removed Kevin De Bruyne. They brought in Julian Draxler. And then that was where the, the party started to fall apart and it is an interesting one to see these clubs you're thinking Leverkusen as well this season mm. absolutely yo-yoed through the league they finished around 13th so it's quite you know it's quite like it seems like it's quite like spelly in the Bundesliga where you'll have a number of years at the top and then you'll drop out and you'll be back up again it's, it's quite nice the competitiveness we're seeing what Leipzig um, and Hoffenheim up there now so it, it's it's always fun but it, I'm, I'm glad Wolfsburg won because um, that side with Kevin De Bruyne was absolutely brilliant Different kinds of com- competition, though, from uh, obviously Leipzig and Hoffenheim, though, right, Dave? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's, a, it's a new style of football. I think that's where um, uh, both Leverkusen and, and uh, Wolfsburg kind of fell apart because they didn't bring some new ideas. They, they were quite playing like stagnatic, uh, stagnatic football. I'm searching for a word and I can't even say it properly. But stagnatic is That's another classic, Dave. Uh, that's, that's getting day, twe- that's getting tweeted from the uh, Twitter account. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, go on, Dave. Uh, stagnating football, I guess. What you mean? That's what I was looking for. Nothing, nothing um, positive about how they played. You know, Wolfsburg started the season playing a, a three-four-one-two, which just the moment doesn't seem like the correct, correct uh, system to go with. You know, you can either play a 3-4-3 or you can play a 3-5-2, but not the system they were started with. So just sent like a lot of bad decisions, a few managerial changes and so forth. So they kind of built their own, or they nearly built their own grade, but surviving on the last day, like Hamburg have done season after season. Hmm. I mean, it is, yeah, it's, it's very difficult when there's, uh, it must, there must be elements of uh, feeling a little bit hard done by. 
um, when you see other people investing incredible amounts of money, etc., etc. Um, however, Dave, uh, it is also a good thing for uh, RB uh, more recently, as Nabi says he might be staying, or at least the way he's speaking sounds as if he's staying because he's proud of their achievements and where they're going. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty silly for Nabi Keita to leave Leipzig right now. I don't think he's at the level of the next club. You know, you're talking the next club that he could go to, someone like Real Madrid, someone like Barcelona, someone like Bayern Munich. I mean, someone like, like top tier teams. I think Liverpool would be a sideways step for Leipzig right now, unfortunately for you. Um, Leipzig, the, the projects with the Red Bull are doing, obviously, I do enjoy what they're doing. I think it's, it's a good idea, the idea of them you know, supporting young players and trying to get them to that level. Naby is a young player, he's still learning, he's a fantastic talent. He's one of the best young central midfielders in world football, um, but I think he just needs to stay in Germany for a little bit longer. Uh, get his wings and then move to one of the giants or even stay with Leipzig as they progress through the European game as they will do because of the money. Yeah, very good point. Um, else, elsewhere in sort of weird uh, transfer rumours, uh, Wayne Rooney um, has said he will only ever play for two Premier League clubs. Dave, that must make you incredibly proud. <laughs> yes, Lawrence, incredibly proud. Uh, but apparently Stoke are bidding for him and they're bidding um, with a massive a massive package. I mean, the, the package overall, and this is the weird thing, is they're not bidding 45 million for him, but what they realise... bidding, Lawrence, it makes it funnier. But what they realise is that they're going to have to spend over the lifetime of Wayne Rooney at that club, 45 million pounds, which basically means, uh, I mean, if you do 300k a week, what's it in a year Dave roughly 15 million 15 million loads of millions uh, that's his endorsements 50 times 300 I mean he, he's going to be there for something like three seasons right mm, maybe, for maybe a player that two. seems to appear to be around 38 seems like a bad, bad bit of business for Stoke sure okay so you're saying don't get him lutely not lutely not abs avoided uh, good, lutely not. Uh, elsewhere, let's go to Scotland. Not literally, though that would be nice, Chris. Uh, the Celtic treble. Uh, they just about scraped through to earn this treble, didn't they, Chris? Yes, Aberdeen were, uh, I imagine, quite disappointed because they had some, some good chances. And I mean, Celtic dominated, I think, large portions of the game, but there was enough chances for Aberdeen in there for them to potentially at least take it to, to extra time. Um, but I think this paints what is a pretty obviously dominant picture of of Celtic in, in Scottish football right now. And it, I'm not confident that it fixes itself this summer. I know Rangers are, are looking at new players. They're talking to Graham Dorans. Um, there's a midfielder from Chivas whose name escapes me. But even that, I, just, I don't see a drastic change anytime soon. It seems like it's it could be Celtic's title for a few years yet. Yeah, very good point. Um, and, and certainly uh, both sides of uh, Glasgow feel quite refreshed by um, by Brendan Rodgers' presence, right, Chris? Yeah, I think it's a good fit. That's that's what it is. I think it's, it's someone that l- almost likes to be a statesman manager. He likes to hold that position over a, a club with history and, and an identity to it. And, and one that f- that feels special mm. and I think if you look at the way he handled that with Liverpool 
he, he did seem to relish that aspect of it and, and really ingrain himself in the culture, even if he didn't always do it in the right ways. And I think it's a similar story with Celtic. The only difference here is, you know, it's, it's a touch easier to win the SPL with Celtic than it is the Premier League with Liverpool. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, one, one thing I did forget to mention is that with Huddersfield back, that's now, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that, that is, that's both sides that uh, Bill Shankly managed back in the day. Does that mean that there will be a Bill Shankly derby in the Premier League, if that is such a thing? Um, obviously, Bill Shankly, having managed both those clubs, Bill Shankly, the famous socialist, socialism coming back onto the agenda in Britain, socialism getting promoted from the Championship and indeed socialism getting into the Champions League. Dave, uh, after the debates that we saw on Channel 4 and Sky News over the weekend, is this an overall pointer that socialism's on the rise <laughs> yes Lawrence socialism is on the rise um, I think it's a, it's a move away from where we've seen this country going from a number of years so it's a positive thing in football terms it's quite interesting to apply capitalism and um, socialism to football I'd say Man United unfortunately are capitalist giants at the moment spending all the money that they can um, but again it's uh, you know it's a method uh, there's different methods to win a game of football there's different methods to be champions and Man United are going one way and Liverpool appear to be going the other way wow okay I mean uh, sure uh, wow uh, floored me David I don't quite know where to go with that one uh, elsewhere in Europe of course let's go to Spain Catalonia uh, not literally though Chris that, that would also be lovely um Barcelona won the Copa del Rey, Rey uh, with some lovely, um, lovely football. Uh, Messi again. Yes, and they've got a new manager as well. Um, yeah, I was, I was about to get onto that, but sure, take it up from there. Ernesto Valverde, um, who I think, yeah, was was a front runner early on. He's, I think, best known for his. His time at Athletic Bilbao starred there as an assistant, and and then uh, I think two spells after that um, as in the top job. But he's he's been at a few different clubs actually, Olympiacos for the Real Espanyol. So he's he's not inexperienced. Um, and from from what I've been able to 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 read on him from colleagues in Spain and things like that, it, it seems as if he is probably the best stylistic fit. Um, because I think at the minute they're looking for just a bit of structure um, 
Barcelona at the moment because the thing is when you have a player like Messi who is so generation defining it's very easy to just rely on them and I think you see that with Argentina sometimes they do just give the ball to Messi a bit like Will Smith at Bel Air Prep and just expect something to happen and I think what they need now you look at La Masia and, and probably the lack of graduates coming through it through that pathway which is, has been so important for them this last decade I think it's things like that where he'll likely draw on his experience from Bilbao and try and incorporate that structure or at least some of the ideals of that structure into this Barcelona team moving forward mm. yeah um, I mean it is going to be fascinating to see where uh, Barcelona go now and whether they I mean Dave do you think they will be able to move away from the, the very different kind of football that has been constructed at Barcelona now. Obviously, there's uh, you know they've they've made the team a little bit wider um, up front, so they sort of stretched the pitch even further than people thought, um, and put a lot more emphasis on the you know the Neymars and the the Suarezes. Do you think they're going to try and take the play a little bit deeper now? I think with uh, Valdeverde, his, his style at uh, Bilbao was very different than the Barcelona model. It was about getting crosses into the box and trying to hit um, Adariz and Raul Garcia in the penalty area. So it, Crouch, it's going to be interesting to uh, see where they go. But the thing with Valdeverde, his pressing, his intensity is the thing why I do believe Barcelona went with him. was because of just how well that Bilbao team take the game to the opponents. They're so aggressive. I was watching the Bilbao-Real Madrid game earlier on in the season. It was just so impressive to see how they didn't give Real Madrid any respect. They gave them no respect. They were they were all over them in terms of a, an aggressive standpoint, which was good. But I think it's the style of football as well. Um, Valdeverde does use Rondons and things like that, which obviously what Barcelona like doing. So it's going to work out. I think it's, it's a good appointment. Um, it was either him or San Paolo that would have been quite interesting. Thomas Tufo would have been interesting. But this is the safe option. This is an option that knows the... Um, the league very well and has done a fantastic job of course um, at Bilbao with limited resources obviously with the transfer stuff so it's an interesting one but a very good appointment a safe appointment appointment that's going to do them well for the next few seasons yeah very good point uh, well let's move on uh, to Syria uh, and obviously the title was decided uh, ages ago in this league even though it was kept very close uh, by the, the chasing pack um, but you know, Napoli and Roma both playing for that over the weekend. No, ultimately, Roma came out on top for that second place. Um, but Chris, it was even more important that they said goodbye to Totti on the weekend. Um, and it was an extremely emotional time for them. And uh, you know, it, it's very clear why. That man's been there for 25 years and has been the backbone for a, backbone for a club. And of course... Uh, was one of the players who won them the only title in that time as well. Yeah, he's, I think he's the only one that's been on every single edition of FIFA as well. Video do, game. Do you think he will also therefore get into the next FIFA as a FIFA legend next season? Yeah, it would be a shame to break that uh, continuity mm. um, that he's been fortunate enough to have. I think... Yes, he's a massive um, icon for that club because he's a one-club man. And I think a lot of that ceremony was quite beautiful, actually. The fact that he handed the captain's armband to what I think was the youngest captain in the club's academy, as if it was you know, a very literal passing of the torch almost, mm. um, or a symbolic passing of the torch, rather. Uh, 
So yeah, it, <laughs> there wasn't it, actually a talk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realised that Jimmy read that moment there. Mm. Um, <laughs> He's literally passed him a torch. <laughs> There's no batteries in that. You're going to need them. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think that is metaphorical. Now, Brilliant. Well yeah, I think I think now they can move forward, which is good because it, it, it's so difficult because you never want to push someone like that out because again he is you know Roma's son. With that said, I think it's fair to say his influence has been drastically diminished um, these last few years. Uh, yeah, although obviously off the pitch there has been a lot of influence uh, from from Totti, uh, and you could see. De Rossi and Florenzi, both very emotional as well. And arguably the rest of the side as well. It's the first time we've, we've seen a lot of uh, the, the Roman players express any kind of emotion um, that's not just extreme in some way. Uh, D- Totti saying his goodbye, he says, do you know what my favourite childhood toy was? It was the football, and it still is. But now has come the time to grow up. I think that means, Chris, that he's going to go upstairs uh, at the club. Um, and that one, that one is interesting, isn't it? Because um, it will be interesting to see what would happen um, if if a, a, a club legend of twenty five years goes upstairs and arguably um, begins to shape a club in a different way and learn a little bit more about the structure of a side. Yeah, I think you see a, a slightly similar pathway with Ajax. A lot of their former players end up back at the club and some guys at some point you've got Van der Sar is head of marketing uh, Overmars is sporting director Bergkamp I think is still coaching so the ability to lean on former players and, and take their experience and and reappropriate I think is is helpful um, or reuse it even is, is very helpful and, and I think it's difficult to gauge. So I don't know how he would be any how good he would actually be because there's no real uh, previous. I mean, you'll know the club inside out, of course, but that doesn't always mean, mean you'll make the right decisions. That's a good point. Elsewhere, uh, other big club legends are moving on. Dave, Tom Jerry is. I was John Terry is moving on as well. He's got finally got out there, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, he's he's off, isn't he? gone see you later mm. what, a, what a hero what a legend man united legend john terry uh wow the inc- incredible respect that you must have for him <laughs> yeah i think yeah he's a obviously a chelsea legend um he's done some bad things in his life he's done some good things in his life it'll be interesting to see where it goes next because he's always been he's always talked himself up as a manager he's always talked himself up um, when chelsea won the the champions league that he was the guy on the touchline so it'd be interesting to see whether he you know can can do it whether he's got the the mental capacity the managerial skills to take a team on I'd like to see him doing it though I'd like to see him sort of step up and step up to the plate is he going to be uh, Tony Adams or is he going to be as Zinedine Zidane there was part of it wasn't it uh, I, mean, I don't think he's going straight up to the manager's uh, roster at uh, this club but we will we'll certainly see I mean it was disappointing Chris one of the elements of the FA Cup at the weekend was that we didn't see uh, John Terry in a full Chelsea kit lifting the FA Cup um, well, he didn't win it for start. I don't really know where to take that. I'm sorry. Uh, no, he just, he just, he just that's, part of the re- that's part of the reason it was disappointing to see Chelsea lose it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, he's won it, he's won it already. I think, yeah, I, th- I think regardless, he'll be happy with his career. 
do you think? I mean, you know, arguably he could have, if, if he was playing in the match, he could have made more from the tickets that he loves selling at Wembley. I, I think he's, That's am I right saying he's won everything? Uh, yeah, I don't think he got Europa, did he? I, I never know how the Europa League stuff worked. Is it yeah, only yeah, the he won the Europa. Medal? Yeah, but he, did, he, did he play enough times to get a Europa? I think so. I think that season they, they went full in at the end of it. It is an interesting one. Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in Europe it's slightly different. In England, they do limit it, don't they? But in other places, I don't think they do limit it. I think it's whoever you've declared in your squad in the Champions League and in the Europa League that gets the, the medals. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. he definitely would have got a medal. Yeah, unless Rafa really did do him dirty, and that would have been... Well, <laughs> that would have been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rafa Benitez is a, very much a, a behind-the-scenes hero for the Premier League. Uh, anyway, uh, some people will disagree with that statement. Uh, uh, elsewhere, there have been some other club legends released. Gail Clichy, uh, Bakary Sanya, uh, pa- Pablo Zabaleta um, and Willy Caballero have all gone uh, from Man City. Uh, arguably the only one within that uh, that's going to be missed, Dave, is Zabaleta on an emotional level. Uh, but none of them really tactically. And it seems as if uh, Pep is letting those people go. Uh, in a very sort of pointed way, and therefore they have to fill those gaps. Mm, I think that's a big thing. I think it's it's filling the fullback gaps. That's a a big big sort of uh, situation. Pep needs to sort out maybe a centre half as well. Carl Walker's been heavily linked at right back to replace Zabaleta. Left back Mendy's been linked the Monaco um, wing back, who's been fantastic in the Champions League this season. So I think it's uh, it's good moves, sort of getting out, getting the old, um, getting rid of the old, and, and bringing in some new talent, and maybe forcing the board into making some signings. Yeah, I mean they're already making a couple of signings, aren't they, Dave? I mean the 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 idea of uh, signing a new goalkeeper, Bernardo Silva. Oh, Bernardo Silva for a start. I mean that's mm. that's a very expensive signing. In the papers, it's been reported as forty three, but with add-ons, it's going to look like a little bit, well, a lot more than that. Maybe maybe even upwards of twenty million more than that. Yeah, Monaco are sneaky, aren't they, with their add-ons? They, they all do well with their add-ons. Um, with Martial as well, there's a lot of add-ons in that deal. So Monaco are a very well-run club at the moment. Um, after the, the wealth of money they got in from the Russian owner and they decided to pull it out, they're doing well in terms of buying these young players and selling them on. Bernardo Silva was the next one on the production line. What a talent he is. I just question the Manchester City thing. I just don't... You know, you've got the likes of Gabriel Jesus. You've got um, Sane. You've already got Sterling. Mm. Now you've got Silva. It seems like they've got four players there that all four of those should be starting every week. But then you've got Aguero, De Bruyne, Silva. It just seems like Guardiola's doing a little bit too similar thing what he did at Bayern Munich where he kind of bought too many wingers and didn't know who his first choice was. You know, at Bayern he had Robin, he had Ribéry, he had Douglas Costa and he had Kingsley Coman. Sounded, it just felt like a bit of an overkill and they never found real rhythm with his first choice 11. Silva should be in the first choice. I imagine he will be first choice. He could play as a false nine, could play anywhere. Um, I think the big game for him, of course, was the, the 5-3 against Manchester City. That was probably when Pep Guardiola thought, you know what, I'm going to sign this kid up. He's a fantastic talent. I'm gutted that United didn't sign him. And uh, City have got a real star there. I've been watching him since the days of the under-21 European Championships. And now I've got to say goodbye. Um, and he's got to move on to the hate list. See ya. Uh, and then, of course, they're, they're also looking to sign Edison, the goalkeeper, uh, for a record-breaking fee. Uh, I think that record was originally set by Buffon in Europe, right, Dave? Yes, I think so. Buffon was David worth... De Gea would have broken that, I think. Uh, would If he'd have been transferred to Real Madrid? Yeah. 
Yeah, but of course he hasn't gone there yet. Um, at some point, who knows, uh, when it's convenient for both sides, please don't hate me. Um, club, obviously... Remember, club- at LozCast on Twitter, if you want to send him any abuse, that's Manchester United fans to uh, send that over, of course. Fantastic. Uh, thanks there, Dave. Um, uh, and of, of course, uh, 34.9 million euro, uh, sorry, pounds will get you Edison from Benfica, Dave. He had a really good game against Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. Um, the season before last, I saw him and I thought he was a little bit dodgy, uh, a little bit not as safe as you'd want for a Manchester City goalkeeper pushing for the Premier League. But it seems like he's really matured this season. The game against Dortmund, he, he pretty much saved everything they threw at him. A uh, fantastic reaction save. One comes to mind from a, I think it was a Ginter shot or a Weigel shot that deflected. And it was pretty much a little bit like the Paul Pogba but the uh, goal from the Europa League final, but a little bit further out. And he really had to move his body, transition himself over, and he stuck out a very solid hand. But he had a great game there, saved a few one-on-ones against a Bemiang. Um, so it's going to be a it's going to be a good deal, I think, for Manchester City. I, I think Edison is going to be a good goalkeeper. The only thing is, it's weird how Brazilian goalkeepers um, they come through this stage where they're really like they're, they're, they're absolute world beaters for about two seasons and they drop off again. So they've just got to be a little bit wary. I don't know whether it's um, you know an example. It'd be great for people to tweet out the front three and see examples of uh, Brazilian goalkeepers that have had a little bit more longevity at the top. Because I'm thinking like Dida, who was fantastic for AC Milan, and then he dropped off the face of the earth. He just started letting simple things in. Same even thing even at AC Milan, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of these things that'd be interesting if anyone's got a goalkeeper, a Brazilian keeper that's had consistency for a lot of, you know, a long amount of time in Europe. I mean, some people say Cesar had, I suppose he, he had poor spells. Um, mm. He had an unbeatable spell under Mourinho and then he kind of went back to that poor spell again. Maybe it's to do with the defence around him more than the keeper then. Yeah, I do find it a little bit unweird. Uh, weird. I was having a conversation today with someone and someone genuinely used the phrase that Buffon had dragged Juventus to the Champions League final. Um, well, I, I I genuinely didn't know how to respond. Um, it it was it was an entertaining moment. Uh, should we also just quickly brush upon the fact that uh, Benfica won a game, Chris, in which the ball was delivered by um, a drone, um, a drone ridden by a man. Uh, the ball was given to the referee and. Away the match went in a very weird, this is superficial but futuristic kind of way. Yeah, it was a bit surreal. He did well to keep his balance. I can't imagine how it would last long on one of those things. Uh, and th- it's that kind of evaluation which will mean you'll stick around on the channel. Um, I mean, I can't disagree with you, Chris. Uh, why do people choose to deliver the balls like this? Why, why does this sort of thing happen in football? Why is this happening? Oh, there's there's a question for a separate podcast. It's just, I think it's just trying to be different. That's the thing. Everyone, everyone's trying to be different right now. Every the, no, I don't think anyone wants to be the same. Yeah, good point. Um, but would you? Would you? How would you like to see the ball delivered? Do you like the plinth? Uh, Do you like the plinth? Fired like. from a cannon. That is a good one. What? And then the referee in the middle of the city. It. Ah, brilliant. So you have to find, what, the actual geographic centre? So, so yeah. So, yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so if it's in London, uh, presumably that cannon will be fine to a number of places. Uh, yes, potentially. Or are we only only top of... flight games. 
Otherwise, you know, it would look like some crazy thing. Otherwise, that would be stupid. Um, but I mean, presumably, Chris then, uh, Crystal Palace would have the same delivery cannon as Chelsea will have. Yeah, but I'd be concerned about hitting the eagle. So, how would you say the eagle then delivers it from the cannon? Yes, it's fired up towards the eagle. The eagle catches it and then delivers it. Fine. Finally, someone who's thought about the delivery process of the ball. Um, Dave, how would you like to see... Would you like to see maybe the club mascot delivery? Should, like maybe the devil appears from hell uh, from Manchester United, the liver bird appears from extinction. Um, uh, you know, a, a little terrier comes on for Huddersfield next season. Maybe an animal, like an animal delivery. That'd be quite funny. Different animal for different club. Obviously, United taking the devil. I think that, yeah, it's a good one. Animals. We'll do animals, Lawrence. Animals isn't a bad one. Uh, I'm just thinking of the Premier I mean, thinking of the Premier League next season. I've not got the Premier League table in front of me. Uh, Premier League table. I mean, who would deliver it for Sunderland? Who's going to take the dinosaur? That's going to be a bit dangerous to train, right? Uh, are you saying Arsenal? Maybe, yeah, that could be a good one. Gunnosaurus. Gunnosaurus, yeah. Uh, it'd be worried. <laughs> I mean, giant cock carrying balls at Tottenham really is a different one. Uh, would you have a small ship for Man City, maybe? Or a rose? We've got to create some sort of waterway in the Etihad. <laughs> uh, water the, water the, the water it pre-match. Uh, Stoke City, presumably, would have theirs delivered by club mascot Tony Pulis. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and then would you have a giant hammer uh, delivering it at West Ham or maybe a giant bubble? Now that you see, that would be interesting if you had the bubble sort of floating the ball in at West Ham. If each club got to design their own delivery system, surely we're looking at the ultimate global marketing tool, Chris. Potentially, yeah. The, the opportunities are uh, limitless. Yeah. Um and as as was the same phrase used in the original pitch meeting for every fan in 90 seconds. Um, but look in which way that format went. Um, now. Uh, He's going to suffocate one day, isn't he? <laughs> Adam Boltwood. Uh, fr- from his own success. Um, anyway, uh, Adam Boltwood will be back next week. Because you, you, you can only make sure it's so big. So it's going to get to the point where it's like, do all 92 clubs, and then he just kills over from heat stroke or something. I think a lot of people would also pay good money, though, to see him do all 92 clubs. I'm not, I'm not saying they'd pay good money to see him keel over. They would pay good money to see him do all 92 clubs, because it would genuinely be compelling viewing. Um, a long video. If he did it in 90 seconds. Uh, good. Uh, now, before we move on, is there any other big uh, footballing news out there in the world? I think we've got it all. Transfers, mascots, the lot. Yes. Uh, and indeed, indeed, I think Dave is right. And also what Dave's trying to say is there are people outside my window making this really awkward. Uh, can we now stop the podcast? Right, They're threatening me, Lawrence. One of them just said, I think, see you later. Um. Uh, Dave, before we do move on, uh, can we talk about Paris United very, very quickly? Mm, could be an interesting move for Mourinho. Um, with seems like Inter Milan are in a very sticky situation in terms of FFP. They've got to make around thirty to thirty-five million euros up by um, 
June the thirtieth. So they've got to sell somebody. Inter Milan looks like looks sorry, Mourinho looks like he's going back to Inter Milan to pick up one of his uh, players that potentially may put up, may have put on their transfer list. So it could be an interesting one. I think he fits. It's just the Anthony Martial rhetoric that people are getting a bit upset about. Does Martial not play if? Um, you've got someone like Perisic in the squad. Maybe not. Maybe Martial plays a striker. But if you want to hear more of that, of course, check out the Stat Monday Football Podcast. That should be up later today. I'm sure there'll also be a video at some point, right? Oh, there's a video. Yes, it's brewing at the moment. Uh, where? In Premier. That's where things brew. Good point. Good point. Uh, excellent stuff. Um, I don't actually think there is any more. Joe Hart could be on his way to somewhere else, Chris. Uh, while we're speaking about transfers uh, from Italy back to England, where would you put Joe Hart? I mean, if if you're at Newcastle, do you say, hey, we'll have Joe Hart? Uh, yeah, I think he's a very good goalkeeper. I think he's had a, he's definitely had a tough season uh, at Torino. I mean, even the the owner, Urbano, said, you know, we didn't expect this many mistakes, which, you know, is a little bit damning and, and unfortunate for him. Um the, the where he goes next, I've I've got a suspicion that probably the spell of Torino has done a little to convince any of the top clubs that that he could be a, a good pickup. That's the problem. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, although surely he was much more desirable just before he sort of got uh, dropped from. You know, I'd I'd say around the time of. The Slovakia game where he made that ridiculous save. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I think it's from a corner, and he cl- he basically claws it out. Oh yeah, okay. I think around then his stock was still very high, but you look at now and all of the perceived um, scandal about Pep dropping him and all that stuff. I don't think anyone for a second thinks Claudio Bravo is um, a drastic improvement, but I don't think that makes the fact that it was time to move heart on an incorrect statement either yeah very good point um well there are a lot more uh, opinions etc you can hear over on uh the statman day football podcast and you can also um you can also hear and see a lot more of an our uh, youtube channel as well uh, where there'll be more videos later this week uh, we'll be doing a preview of the uh champions league of course later this week as well um, we'll be talking about our own predictions for that game and, of course, looking into the great seasons that both Real Madrid and Juventus have had. Um, there's some good stuff to come this summer from the front three umbrella, as you know it, and that's not uh, a rain reference. There'll be lots of great sun. Uh, what's a sun umbrella? A parasol. Good. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of parasols, uh, Dave, where uh, can people go find your stuff? Um, the parasol shop, I reckon, round the corner, Lawrence, in London, E3, Bow. You, do you live in Bow? Hmm, I do. Interesting. Um, but you... Uh, it's a big place. It, Bow is massive, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Very, very large. Uh, it is, it's rather the trendy spot nowadays, I've heard. Hmm, it's where the cool kids hang out, Lawrence, you're right there. It is actually where quite a few of the cool kids hang out. Anyway, uh, yeah, go find Dave over on the Statman Dave uh, YouTube channel and over on the football uh, podcast that he runs over on iTunes. Uh, if you could give him a review, I'm sure he'd much appreciate that. It does help him climb the charts. Mm-hmm. That'll be tasty. Yeah, tasty indeed. Uh, and indeed, Chris, where can people go find you? Because there's a lot of articles uh, coming from you over the summer and I'm sure as 
more and more um, transfers sort of start going on at Newcastle and other clubs, you'll be vital to be following. At the front three. Excellent stuff. Uh, and you guys can find us, uh, both Adam and Lawrence, under the same handle. Uh, don't forget to go like us and find us on all social media. And we'll see you again real soon right here on the front three. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.